When the sun has long since dipped past the trees, Rose stands on the porch encircling the inn, watching twilight eclipse a deep orange horizon. She departs for her room, the shoji snapping shut behind her. A light rain drums the roof of the inn as she sits, finishing a fourth of her sake jug. She falls onto her futon and sleeps like a stone, so exhausted that she barely shifts. The dreams take hold and don't let go. They walk through thickened undergrowth that smells like fresh spring rain, where the deep green suki grow dense. Maple trees with wide star-shaped leaves the color of blood encircle a pool with cyan waters in the center of the clearing. Their bark is bone white, dotted with small glowing motes that wink out when she squints at them. The moss is soft beneath her bare feet. The smells, the clearing, they tug like something she has pieced together in a dream. Something grasped and cradled until it slips through her fingers. The fox maiden laughs, pushing aside a branch. Come on, closer. She takes Crow's forearm, her profile a blur at the corner of her vision. When Crow looks at her, despite the white slants of moonlight from the canopy, her face is a smear of red and green and white, features she can't quite make out. A Sika deer lifts its head from the pool and eyes them, velvet strung across its antlers. Do you... Do you think we should? What if your sister finds out? A laugh, small and light, unworried. The fox leans in, smelling like moss and sweat. <laughs> and so what if she does? The fox maiden approaches the deer first a small flat rice cake in her palm. She's slow, careful, but not as slow as Crow expects. It meets her, hesitant, its hooves gentle on a bed of ferns. It stands still as Crow creeps towards it, crouched low. Its ear swivels to the side. Here, like this, just keep your hand flat. The deer inches forward, nibbling at the edge of the rice cake. See? Ah! Oh. Ah! Oh. <laughs> ah! Crow's hand jerks to her side, where her slow-closing wound throbs beneath tightly wound bandages. Are you alright? The sudden movement startles the deer, and it springs away into the trees. They watch it disappear into the thick underbrush, and Crow shakes her head, heaving a defeated sigh. Uh, no, it's fine. I'm all right now. She looks to the fox maiden and smiles. I'm all right. Here, let me help. The fox reaches, small hand pressed bracingly between Crow's shoulder blades, and guides her towards a small spring a few paces away. They stop at a wide, flat rock. She guides Crow to sit, then settles behind her. She peels Crow's robes away without hesitation, 
and the ronin feels her face flush with embarrassment at the sudden exposure, conscious of her scars and the grisly wounds still healing. But pain in the vestiges of bashfulness melt away as cool water trickles against the burning slash across her back. The fox maiden works with silent diligence, leaning to pull from the spring with cupped hands, washing away dirt and old blood from the wound. After some moments, the throbbing ebbs, and Crow turns in her seat to smile at her. The fox maiden returns the smile, a glint in her eyes, green like the forest. Thank you. I wasn't finished. It's fine, really. It's fine now. There is a pause. The fox's smile quirks into a smirk. It's not fine. The wound is still dirty. <laughs> You're lucky I found you. Are you always this stubborn? <laughs> lucky. I don't think luck has anything to do with it. The fox raises an eyebrow, the tips of her three white tails dragging lazily across the spring's placid surface. Crow grins, leaning carefully to pluck a lily from the water. If it's not luck, then what? Crow sits quietly for a few moments. A tentative hand gently tucks the lily into her white hair. Don't you believe in fate? So, you're from Kirin, Lance. What are they like? They lay in a clearing a distance from Kitsune Morimura, where the trees grow so tall, so dense, that they obscure the cookfire smoke. Crow can hardly see the fox maiden in the tall grass, save for the tall white peaks of her ears, as she rolls the stem of a buttercup between her thumb and forefinger. Lots of rolling plains. Very flat. We don't have many trees. And our foxes look... <sighs> well, they look very different. Oh, like the ones in Shinnaman Mori. They look so strange. They come to visit sometimes in the spring. Maybe you'll be here to see them? The fox smiles at her. She rolls onto her forearm and leans in, a few strands of white hair falling from a loose halfway there bun at the nape of her neck. Maybe. I hope so. A bundle of nerves jolts its way up Crow's spine. Her eyes shut. The tips of their noses brush. Their lips touch. Crow stands in the forest. Birds sing, but it is dark. The trees around her grow dense, choking out the light. She can see clearly, but all is black and green and brown. Bamboo drifts in the breeze like wooden wind chimes. The fox maiden is with her. She is close. She is in her arms. Crow's nose is pressed against the top of her head and she feels a warm tear slide down her cheek onto white hair. Why is she crying? Where is she? What is happening? I'm, I'm sorry, Nari. 
the fox says, muffled against her chest. Sobs slowly rack her small frame. Grandmother... Grandmother says you must leave. That you must forget. The fox maiden pulls away, green eyes glistening with tears. She holds her palm to Crow's right temple, but before Crow can ask what she means, what this is, her mind begins to fray. It unravels. It falls apart. Her mouth opens, but words fail her. There are no words. The fox's voice floats above the haze. Please, don't forget me. Then, there is nothing. Crow has trouble sleeping following the evening in the sake house. She isn't sure if it's dreams or just anticipation, but she rises well before the sun and struggles to fall back asleep. When an hour passes and she has no luck, she gives up on the notion and goes through her morning routine. Stretches, bath, tea, breakfast. By the time she's downed a bowl of rice, the sun is still a ways off and Katsune Morimura is still quiet. She isn't sure what she searches for, but a morning walk in the woods sounds nice enough by itself, even if she doesn't find what she unknowingly seeks. She is glad enough to slip out unnoticed, palm rested on the hilt of her katana as she makes her way toward the northern border of the village into the surrounding trees. Very few are out and among the sprawling village. Some of the villagers linger near tea and sake houses, their eyes glowing in the dark. Others yet begin their morning routine. Animals are the ones most often nearby. Sika deer graze fearlessly near the center of the village a small bird flies, the fat tail of a Mujina retreats into the brush. The glowing eyes bring her pause, but a moment's consideration eases the tension in her back. She smiles and nods, or bows, where appropriate, to anyone passing by, stopping briefly to feed one of the deer a treat from her pack. Maybe her journey can wait. Another comes, then another, she feeds five of them before resuming her walk, intent on following through. The trees near the village are thinner than the deeply wooded areas near the very center of Kitsune Mori. That, at least, Crow can recall with confidence. That the forest grows denser as one goes inward, with rocky outcroppings and the odd jutting hill. Crow walks slowly, carefully. Not afraid, but mindful of the dark forest around her. An occasional clearing gives way to a small shrine and a scattering of birds, a congregation of tiny monkeys that scatter into the trees. One of them remains, brown and very small, young, sitting on a tree branch and eyeing her. The shrine is small and very old. It's carved rock chipping near the edges and covered in a layer of moss. Several offerings of sake, rice, fruit, and small trinkets sit beneath it. The first faint light of dawn filters through the trees, just enough for her to see the monkey. She smiles and approaches, slowly. She pulls a berry from within her kasode 
and offers it carefully. The monkey eyes her, wary and unmoving for a moment. Approaching slowly seems to help. Its eyes dart from the berry, to Crow's face, to her hand, back to the berry. It reaches out and plucks it from her palm, head tilted, then shoves it into its mouth. It chews, its cheeks bulging. Crow laughs, watching it eat. (laughs) Sorry, that was my last one. She apologizes, even bows apologetically, before she turns to inspect the shrine, trying to determine what it is a shrine to. She's careful not to disturb the offerings. The lack of fox imagery makes her doubt that it is for Inari, more likely for the forest spirits or anything that might happen by. Instead of risking a poor offering, Crow stands in quiet reverence. The monkey finishes eating. It wipes its mouth with small, spindly hands and stares at her in a clear prompt for more. When more doesn't come and Crow turns away, it sits, watching. Eventually, it reaches out and prods her sleeve. Her pack bumps her sake jug. Crow turns to look at it with a laugh. (laughs) I don't have much else. She takes a chance, reaching out to give it a pat on the head. She fishes around in her bag, finding nothing. She gives the sake jug a shake, pulls the stopper out, and offers the wet end in case he wants to lick. For a moment, the pat seems like enough, but he doesn't want the sake, at least not at first, and anything pointed toward him is enough to get curious about. Once she's distracted enough, he worms a hand inside her pack. Eventually, after some picking around, his fingers close around a string of zenny. A koku is of more interest. He palms it, holding it with both hands fishing out the meager remnants of her money. Crow laughs, disarmed, torn about doing something about it. Ultimately, eating is more important. (laughs) You're a clever one, she says amicably, slowly reaching to fish the koku back out of his palms, careful not to be forceful. The monkey inspects the gold coin, holding it out as far as it can, tapping it on the tree branch, Its tail swishes. It chitters, pleased in its gain, but then Crow reaches. It bolts, hopping off the tree into the grass, northward into the trees. Crow calls out in surprise, not quite ready for a chase through the woods. Uh, wait, wait, please. She struggles to keep up through the branches and underbrush. The monkey chatters as it runs. Is it a game? Probably, but it's determined to make off with its loop, hopping easily from branch to branch. After a distance through the underbrush and slowly thickening trees, they come to a clearing. From here, Crow can barely make out the very edge of Kitsune Morimura's sprawling homes, or see the smoke from above the tall, tall tree line. A woman sits on a rock at the edge of the spring, calves in the water, running a wet cloth along her neck and wrists. Her skin is tan and her hair black, save for the streaks of white near the front. 
The monkey hops onto the rock beside her. Crow stumbles into the clearing. Stray branches have opened a few fresh, shallow cuts on her cheeks. She nearly falls over from the shock of seeing another person, but when she realizes she isn't in danger, she stops to catch her breath. The woman in the springs shoots up in alarm. Are you one of them? One of... When she straightens, she gets a better look at the woman. She struggles to keep the redness from her cheeks. Sudden embarrassment overtakes her. She bows apologetically. You mean... You mean one of the poachers? She breathes heavily, her hair wild around her face. No, I'm not. For a moment, she doesn't seem to believe her. There is something strange about her appearance that makes it difficult to determine her age. Maybe 22 springs. Maybe a year or two younger. Older. Her face is thin. Her eyes are brown. She reaches out. The monkey flattens the cuckoo in her palm. She gives it a look, inspects his lion-headed brand. Lion lands. Her lips thin a hair. She looks back to Crow. Yes, one of them. The woman says quietly, eyeing Crow's fur-lined clothing, her long hair. She fits the profile, but something else draws her brows together. What is your name? And is this yours? She holds the cuckoo out with a tiny smile. Crow can't blame her for her suspicion. All the same, that's not the impression she wants to give. Slowly, she lowers to her knees and bows her head. I've actually been sent to take care of them. I'm called Crow. The name stirs something in her face. It is quickly bedded down beneath a small, careful smile. Crow slowly stands and chances a step toward. Then another. Yes, it's mine. I'm afraid it's all I have, too. Crow laughs, trying not to stare at her too much. She averts her eyes. What's your name? Crow glances at her long enough to smile. The monkey chitters and tilts its head, hiding behind her. Looking as apologetic as a monkey can, she carefully adjusts the floral pattern obia around her waist. It's red and orange, set apart from a simple tea-colored robe. I am called Umeko. Umeko. I apologize for his interest. He must have taken a liking to you. Crow smiles a bit wider bowing her head, feeling the adjustment of her kimono is good enough permission to stop averting her eyes. That's nothing to apologize for. He's quite charming. Crow laughs and shakes her head, then slowly, slowly, seats herself at the edge of the rock, a good distance from her. She takes a moment to familiarize herself with a the clearing, then seeks her face. Have you encountered them? The poachers? I mean... Umeko laughs, quietly, retreating a half-step as Crow draws closer. I've seen their tents, but not their numbers. You said you would take care of them? Where do you come from? Umeko moves away. Noted. No more of that. 
Rose's expression might be classified as a silent apology, but she doesn't say anything. She tries her best to be inoffensive. Well, we've just come from the North, if that's your meaning. My friends and I, I mean. Hasako has asked us to handle them. There's a brief pause as Crow looks distractedly around the clearing. Something familiar. You said you've seen their tents. Do you remember where they were? Crow withdraws, but not far. Eventually, after what seems like a very long eventually, she seats herself at the edge of the wide, flat rock. I see. The tents are through there. She lifts a tan hand and points directly ahead of them, what is likely west. Crow stands. For a moment, Umeko watches her go, smiling, yet a little unsure, then snaps out of it. Wait! She calls after her, a moment or two after Crow has begun to advance toward the tree line. Her cheeks puff out in frustration. Umeko picks up the cocoa and starts after her, bending to adjust her gaita mid-stride. Your money! Her money? Her money? Suddenly, Crow remembers, and embarrassment reddens her cheeks. They turn even redder as she turns to take the cocoa with a laugh, her head bowed. I... <laughs> I forgot. Thank you. Thank you so much. Another bow of her head, and with her this close, she isn't inclined to run so quickly. Crow's smile is as delayed as it is stupid. After she's pocketed the money... She rubs the back of her head and laughs again. Otherwise, I would have been begging for scraps when I returned to the village. Mako smiles, her laugh light. But when Crow moves closer, she's a little on edge. Not by much, though. And in the end, her smile endures as she hands the cocoa over. So, you came from the Lion Lands, then? There is a seemingly perfect split between jet black hair and the white, skunk-like stripes towards the sides in front of her head. Umeko is timid. With poachers in the woods, it's no wonder, though it does lead Crow to ponder what she is. Kitsune? She doesn't have those eyes, and the hair reminds her of Shio, but not the rest of her. Regardless, she seems as though she wants to prolong the conversation. Crow is more than happy to do so. Well, not originally. I was Kirin, only traveling through Lionlands. She's almost apologetic, as if being Kirin is somehow inherently less exciting than the alternative. Sorry, uh, I was unclear before. Umeko seems to desire conversation beneath the timid, slightly nervous exterior and twitches of her stance. Umeko nods. Adjusting her pack as the monkey hops, hops again, and ends up on her shoulder, rooting through her things. Kieran. Crow nods once, then twice. Something like recollection creeps into her face. She forces it away and smiles. I see. You have been to the forest before? Or never? The monkey hops closer, and for a moment... Crow is afraid he's going to steal her cocoa again. She eyes it, trying not to seem terribly wary. 
when he's sated by a berry he finds in Umeko's pack. She breathes a quiet sigh of relief. Yes, I have been to the forest once. Several years ago now. I'm very happy to return. Crow straightens, looking around the clearing, scouring her memory in conversational gaps, trying to discern why it's so familiar. Do you live here, by the spring? I can't shake the feeling that I've been to it before. But surely I would have remembered a face as pretty as yours. Crow's stance is more relaxed as she eases into what she's most familiar with. Shameless flirting. She even winks. Umeko blinks, unsure how to handle the flirting. The pink embarrassment on her cheeks is evidence enough of that, and a light, halfway to nervous laugh follows. Uh, I do, not precisely here, but nearby. I think I have heard of you before. You helped me with poachers here. The last time. Umeko's blush is as much encouragement as it is discouragement. For now, Crow settles on a sly smirk and a slight shift in her weight, allowing her arms to relax enough to fold over her chest. Heard of me? The notion is ridiculous. Crow can't help but laugh and shake her head. Soon her arms are at her sides, fingers fretting at her palms. She knows this place. She remembers the poachers. And then... I wasn't here for very long at all, and I, there were only a few poachers. I doubt it's me you've heard of. Umeko smiles. Perhaps I was mistaken, but I know that word does spread. Umeko's smile renews. The early morning light filters through the trees. Birds chirp and trill. Something rustles through the brush. Don't let me keep you, Krosan. I apologize. It's difficult not to feel as though that wasn't the answer that Umeko wanted. But it is the one that she feels is most earnest. You are keeping me. It's really quite the contrary. A slow bow follows, and she seeks her gaze when she is low enough for their eyes to be level. A small, private smile before she straightens. I hope you keep your distance from the poachers. We'll take care of them before the day is out. I promise. Umeko smiles. It's less a small and private thing than before, and she lingers in place of knowing really what to say. There's a sense that she doesn't quite want to move on, but is too embarrassed otherwise. Thank you, Krosan. Please be careful. Perhaps I will see you in the village. Umeko's less constrained smile inspires a similar one in herself. She even laughs. I am always careful. It's not a lie, but it's not entirely true, either. Taking a bold leap, she reaches up to press her finger gently into the tip of Umeko's nose. I hope we do meet again. Another smile, a nod of her head, and she moves past her. Northward.
For all the latest updates in our podcast, be sure to check us out on Twitter at SITWL5R. You can also join our Discord server to talk L5R, tabletop, and everything in between. Shadows in the West is played using the fourth edition of the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game, developed by Alderac Entertainment Group and owned by Fantasy Flight Games. 